0: We are in the book of Philippians, New Testament book. We're doing a series of messages through that, that New Testament. It's an epistle, really, uh, written by the Apostle Paul. More about that in a moment. Um, and we're, do, we're going through this whole thing. And um, uh, well, let me rephrase that. We're not taking every verse, but I'm just showing you some of the themes that are in the book of, uh, of Corinthians. I'm sorry, Philippians. I'll get it right in a second. And, um, um, and I'm talking about joy. Because most any commentator you read or talk to or any scholar of the Bible will tell you that the book of Philippians' theme is uh, joy. It's a remarkable thing when you think about under the circumstances in which it was written, that's going to come up. Don't go away, okay? Stay tuned for that. But um, So that's what we're doing. All right? Last week we talked about joy and community. We talked about what, what that means to have community and fellowship, being with people and stuff. Uh, today we're talking about it in, in relationship to, to just... Tough times. Now, I'll talk more about that in a second. But again, I want to revisit the definition of joy because some of you are here, um, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you, you, you want to overanalyze the word joy. Well, do you mean joy, Richard? Or do you mean happiness? And uh, and let me tell you, um, go look it up for yourself. But in the dictionary, there's not a lot of difference. And so, for my purposes, okay. I want you to really understand that when I'm talking about joy in any of these things that we're talking about, and today it's tough times uh, or in, in, in joy and in bad circumstances, when I'm talking about joy, um, I'm, talk, I'm using the word liberally. I'm using it uh, uh, generally. Um, a sentence definition would be something like having some joy or some, ful- some fulfillment, uh, having some fun along the way, and yes, some happiness. Okay? That's how I'm using the word joy. All right? And the Apostle Paul writes this epistle to this church in Philippi, which is in modern day um, Turkey. And, um, and he's, he says he'd be joyful. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take you to the passage that we're looking at today. Just, just three verses, really, which is really kind of interesting because, um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll do more than that. It's just three verses, but it's really remarkable what is said here once you understand the context in which it is being stated. Okay, so it, it comes from Philippians chapter 1, and it goes like this, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole praetorian guard. I'll tell you what that is. I'll come back to that. And to everyone else and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. You read that, and you say, oh, that's good. Okay, great. Let's move on here. But if you're not careful, you're going to miss something very, very important, and that is the context of where he's writing this from. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to take some of our time today to really tell you the story of the Apostle Paul, because you got to understand the man to understand his writings, I, I believe, and I think I, I, I've kind of got a thing here. I'm, I think he's probably one of the most misunderstood people in Scripture. You hear all kinds of people say, "Oh, the Apostle Paul was a misogynist. He was a he was a sexist. He was a this," and none of that is true. It's just not true. People uh, make some deductions, conclusions that are just ridiculous. So let's, let, me just, let me just bring you up to snuff on who the Apostle Paul was. A book that I would recommend um, if you really want some further reading on this. First of all, you can just go to the, the Bible, go to the New Testament, the book of Acts, start in chapter 9, just start there, and go through the end of the, of the book. It's like chapter 9 through 28, Chad, 28th chapter. That, that sounds like a lot. It's not that much. It won't take you long. That'd be the first thing to do. Second thing, if you really want some good, good reading on it, I, uh, Charles Swindoll has written a book called Paul. And uh, it's a great book. I just read it myself. Um, so um, just for some extracurricular stuff, if you want to do that. But here we go. He was, uh, he was born uh, from a, of a Pharisee and his wife. A Pharisee, that's the ruling class of the Jewish culture. Literally the ruling class. I mean, you're talking, you're, we're talking the upper echelons of, of society. We put it that way today. Um, interesting. They, they, not just Paul's parents, but uh, people of their like ilk, um, sought to guard their children from contamination. Therefore, they could not have friendships with Gentiles. How about that, huh? Um, sort of, you know, anti-Semitism in reverse, if you will. Um, he was, uh, he, from, a ver- from, the, from, the, from a very early child, he spoke Greek, which was the language of the culture. He had a working knowledge of Latin. And uh, in, in the home, they spoke Aramaic, which was a derivative of Hebrew. By age 13, uh, Saul had mastered Jewish history, uh, all three languages, the literature of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, uh, and the poetry of Psalms by that age, by age age 13. Therefore, according to Jewish custom, he's ready to be sent off to what we would call now, not then, what we would call now basically graduate school. He comes from this well-to-do family. His mother dies, by the way, at age nine. So at, at age nine, from then on, it's just his father raising him. His father was a big-time Pharisee. Um, We use that term today negatively. In this culture, that was a very big deal, a very positive thing. Um, So he shipped off to Judea, Palestine, Jerusalem, uh, to get a good education. He studied under a guy named uh, Gamaliel which is a big-time rabbi at the time. I mean, it was like, I mean, it, it would be very similar to, to when, you're, when your kid gets ready to go to, one of your kids or kids get ready to go to college, and you find them a really good college. And you find, he's you know, my son or my daughter is getting the best education in the land. We would probably say one of the best institutions in the land, or so forth. It's equal to that, okay? Okay. Um, so for the next five to six years, he studied under the renowned Gamaliel. He apparently became a leader among the students. Um, his ambition was to be on the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was basically your Jewish Supreme Court. There were only 21 men on that, and his ambition was to be there. So he's a leading up-and-coming lawyer in Jerusalem, just rocking and rolling, you know, just you know, kicking tail, taking names, as they say, and uh, just doing really well. He is passionate about Judaism. Raised in that kind of home, that's not a surprise. So passionate that when this new thing comes along called Christianity, they didn't call it that then, they called it the way. When Christianity comes along, he's thinking this is going to somehow contaminate or pollute the Judaism that I love and that I that I so revere. So he, along with other people like him, begins persecuting those who are Christians particularly if they've come out of a Jewish background. And this one town where a lot of those folks have fled to, it's called Damascus. It's about 100-plus miles out of Jerusalem, sort of northeast. Um, you know, and in those days, 100-plus miles, that's a long, long way, you know, because you're either walking or you're on a donkey or a, maybe a horse or a camel. But um, it's a long way. Um, so he's gone his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. On the way, a bright light just, boom, that he can't, just knocks him off his horse. He can't see anything with this bright light, and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? And and, and and his name is Saul. I didn't tell you that. His name is Saul. He becomes Paul later on. Um, he, 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 Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And and, and, and Saul says, uh, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. It was at that moment some people believe that he Became a person of faith in Christ, some think it was maybe later, but he's led by hand because he can't see he's blind into Damascus. A guy by the name of um of um Ananias is really told by God in a, in a prayer in a kind of a weird kind of way to go uh, and minister to Saul. He does that, he blazes he prays over him his the, the quote unquote scales fall off his eyes, he's able to see again. And um, and then for the next, um, next three years, Saul, now Paul, is in the Arabian desert studying and learning about being a person of faith for three years. Three years pass. He comes back to Damascus. He's about the town talking about his faith. Can't find very many Christians at that point who are going to really support him because they're like, this is the guy that was beating and killing and torturing Christians three years ago. I'm not sure I want to mess with him, you know? But he's go- going about the temple, always very respectful of the Jewish customs. Didn't come in there and say, you guys are going to go to hell. or you know. He was very respectful and never did anything inappropriate because he knew the Jewish customs. He'd studied them. He was a lawyer in them. and, uh, and, and But just talking about Christ. Well, the Jews, are, the Jews go crazy. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is one of our fair-haired boys who, who now is going out telling people, Jesus is the way. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to kill him. So they, they, he became a wanted man. They put guards at each of the gates of Damascus, hoping to catch him on his way out. One of the people found out about that. They said, "They said, Paul, you got to get out of here, but you can't go out the gate." So, in the middle of the night, they let him out a, a, a window with a basket outside the walls of Damascus, and he escaped to Jerusalem. Goes to Jerusalem. Again, we're still talking three or four years since he's become a follower of Christ. Goes to Jerusalem. Starts looking for some people to hang out with, some other people like-minded, some people who are believers. Well, guess what? They don't want anything to do with me either. They're like, I don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> you killed somebody. That You beat up somebody that was my friend four years ago. So, so what happens is that there's one guy. His name is Barnabas who comes along. It's a great name because the name means son of encouragement. Isn't that a great name? Why don't we name more kids Barnabas? I don't get that. I ran that flag up the flagpole with my wife, our firstborn. Then anyway, yeah, I got nowhere. But anyway, um, that's okay. We like what we, we like what we named it. But, but Barnabas is a great name. Barnabas, son of encouragement, he comes along and he's kind of you know puts his arm around the guy Paul and says, "Come on, I'm going to help you." And he starts encouraging him. Ends up taking him back to his hometown of of Tarsus, uh, which is a good ways away from Jerusalem. And he's there for another four or five years. And and Paul now goes back to tent making, which is what his father did, working with leather. Uh, Goes back to tent making uh, to make a living and still going to the temple and talking about Christ and still doing all he can to to talk about the gospel of Christ. So he's there another four to five years. Then he comes back to Jerusalem becomes part of the believers there, and and now they're beginning to accept him. He and a guy by the name of, of, uh, well, Barnabas, still with him, he and Barnabas kind of hook up, and they say, hey, we're going to go and go out on a missionary trip. And what that means basically is they're going to travel throughout the Mediterranean region, and that's basically modern-day Turkey, uh, modern-day Greece, uh, by boat and inland as well, different ways that they were traveling. and start churches. They would start meeting with people, talking to them about Christ and who He is and, and that He is the Messiah and so forth, and then start a church. And they started many churches. It is for two or three years, This first missionary trip, we call it. Paul and Barnabas, they come back to Jerusalem, They've been together now a long time. They've been buds. I mean, you know, they're the, you know, whatever, the, the gold dust twins or whatever. And, um, and then, and then uh, something happens. They say, you know what? we need to take another missionary trip, check on those churches we started, and start more churches. But in the process, just so, sort of a little sidelight to all this, they, Paul and Barnabas, who've been buddies now for a long time, have a big disagreement. The disagreement is this. On that first missionary trip, there was a guy they had with them. They had a little entourage. And one of the guys with them was a guy named John Mark. John Mark, in, in, in what is called in the Bible Troas, when you go, and I've been there, it's in Turkey, and uh, it's a real, real mountainous region. I mean, it's beautiful, but I mean, it's just very primitive. And I, you can imagine around 50 A.D., you, you, you know, I, I did it in a stupid bus with a, you know, a halfway paved road. You're talking like a, a dirt trail walking or with, with a donkey um, or a horse. So it's pretty rough going. Well, during that, during that trip, John Mark quit. He quit. He said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. So when they get back to Jerusalem, he's, he's, he, he had gotten back some other way. And they get ready to take a second trip. Barnabas says, hey, Paul, I want to take John Mark with us. And Paul says, no, there is no way. The Bible says, actually, they had a, a, f- a fierce division, one translation, a, a, a very big division. So so you know what happens. John, Paul says, I'm not, I'm not taking John Mark. He's a little whiny baby boy, you know and uh and he didn't say that that's my my reading into the story and uh, but but barnabas says you know what i'm taking him so they split up paul and barnabas the two guys that have been together now for almost 10 years split up you think that's a bad thing well actually it was a good thing because now we have two teams going out talking to people about jesus and starting churches throughout the whole asia european area there um eurasia basically um so anyway, they take another missionary trip. They come back to Jerusalem. Take a third missionary trip. Two different guys again. They come back from that. So they're hanging out in Jerusalem. Paul is saying the last trip he took, he was in Ephesus, which is now Turkey, and he says, um, "I have to. I don't think I'm going to be coming back here. I've got to get to Rome. I want to go to Rome." And you read, the, you can read this in Acts. Um, I got to get to Rome because that's where I, that's where I really think I need to get to to start another church and tell people about Jesus in Rome. Um, obviously, in case you're having a brain stutter there. That's, this is long before uh, the Vatican or anything like this. There's no Christianity at this point in Rome of any kind. So he's hanging out in Jerusalem with some Gentile people because he's taking, he's preaching and teaching the gospel to everybody. Jews, Gentiles, he doesn't care. The Jews are still mad at him. He's an enemy of the Jews because he is a turncoat. He is, he is proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. And they trump up these charges. They say, Paul took that Gentile into the temple, the outer court, it was called. He never did that. He would never do that. He he knew the law. He was respectful of the Jewish law. He would never do that. He didn't. They falsely accused him. A riot starts. The Roman guard comes, basically saves Paul's life because they're going to kill him. They take him back. They charge him with this thing that he's been charged with by the Jewish people who made up these trumped up these charges. They go through a whole series of trials. Paul's getting very frustrated because you know what one of the things that crime had he committed it, which he did not, was punishable by death. And Paul knew that. And not only that, he just he didn't do it, and he knew he was innocent. And so he was very frustrated because all these accusations kept coming. People were making up witnesses, the whole kangaroo court type of thing. And finally, he's, he's before one of the governors, Governor Felix, and, um, and he says uh, in Caesarea, and he says, you know what? Something like, th- this, this part's not in the text. This is Rich reading into it again. Um, something like, you know, I'm tired of this stuff, okay? I'm tired of this stuff. I appeal to Rome. As a Roman citizen, I have that right. He was a Roman citizen. I appealed to Rome. The governor had no choice. He said, Well, then you're going to Rome. Here's the deal he goes to Rome. Oh, man, amazing story. Acts 28, 27, 28. Uh, it, it, the, the, he's, he, goes to, he goes to Rome. under Again, he's been arrested now by the Roman, by the Roman guard for like five years at this point. And they're going to go to Rome by way, of, by way of ship through the Mediterranean, by way of Malta, by way of Cyprus and coming up the, the, the southern boot there of uh, what I call the southern boot of Italy and comes in that way. And it was a long journey and there was a shipwreck and it's, you can read all about that in the Bible. It's just an amazing story. I mean, make a great great book or movie. Um, he finally, you know, and so he finally gets to Rome and he's under, under the guard, the Praetorian Guard. Now, the Praetorian Guard, um, the Praetorian Guard, the best way to compare them, they'd be like the, the Secret Service. They guard the, the palace, the palace guard. So when he says back up here that um, um, so, so my imprisonment in, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard, that's all the guards. But here's, here's the custom of the time. When he was under, keep in mind, in Rome, he wasn't in prison. He was under house arrest. He could have his own tenement or house or whatever he had, probably a, little, probably a little apartment of some sort. But a Praetorian guard guy had to be handcuffed to one of his arms the whole time. How would you like to have been that guard or that series of guards? How many times do you think, I mean, people would come and go to talk. They, people were free to come and go and talk to him. And here he is talking about Jesus all day long, and this guard's sitting here listening to everything. That'd uh, be another great book, somebody writing a book about how many of those Praetorian guard people came to faith in Christ. It'd be amazing. That's what he's doing. That's where he is. That's what's happening when he writes this epistle. Okay? That's what's happening. He, just Just recount it real quick. Okay? He falsely accused, arrested, trial after trial after trial, five years' worth, wayward journey through, through the Mediterranean that almost cost him and everybody else's life, finally gets to Rome. He's in his, in his whatever it is, apartment, uh, chained to, a, to some sort of guard, praetorian guard, a palace guard, and he's writing this letter. Hey, you know what, guys? This has really turned out well. What is this guy smoking? I mean, isn't that amazing? Here's what I want you to see. That's a long story, but I'm, I'm, you, you got to get the context of this. Well, that way, when you read those, when you read that, now I want I want you to know, brother, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everybody else, and most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak about their faith. Now, this has been just a win-win. People have come to know Christ. People are more bold to speak out about Christ because of what what has happened with the Apostle Paul. Three things, very quickly. First one is be comforted. Be comforted. Your life story is still being written, still going on. And you don't know exactly what's around every turn and every corner, obviously. Obviously. You know, as a result of that, try to live with a little less stress. You know, here's a quote from uh, those of you who know me know I love G.K. Chesterton. You maybe have seen this before if you've been here a while, but if not, it's worth seeing, or we're seeing again, actually. Chesterton said this, But in order that life should be a story or romance to us, it is necessary that a great part of it, at any rate, should be settled for us without our permission. If we wish life to be a system, this may be a nuisance. But if we wish it to be a drama, it is essential. But we should like it still less if the author came before the curtain every hour or so and forced on us the whole trouble of inventing the next act. A man has control over many things in his life. But if he had control over everything, there would be so much hero, there would be no novel. The thing that keeps life romantic and full of fiery possibilities is the existence of these great plain limitations which force all of us to meet the things we do not like or do not expect. God doesn't come out before every act of your life and say, oh, by the way, Rich, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. Boy, I wish He would. You know? But you know, I can take comfort in that. God's... God's still there. There's a God in heaven. And as I trust him, he's going to watch out for it. He's got me. Be comforted. Be prayerful. I, I debated whether to use the word prayerful here or whether to use the word be trusting. It could be either one, but I mean when I say be prayerful, I mean you pray for wisdom and the ability to trust Christ in a deeper way. Um, you know, you, you, you work hard at thinking, trying to figure out your life and what to do and, and how to live and work in a way that's going to honor God. And you make those plans, you set that path, you, you, you pray, you think, you, you, you get good counsel. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Um, you get it all planned out. And you know what? Sometimes it goes just like you planned it. And you say, man, I'm good. Or something like that. Sometimes, though, it gets all blown to pieces. Sometimes it gets blown to smithereens. Hmm. Swindoll in his book on Paul said this, surprises are always part of God's leading and always intensify our need for faith. And we have surprises, don't we? Proverbs says this you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You seek, you pray, you wrestle with choices and decisions, but you still have to trust. Be prayerful. Be comforted. But you gotta pray and trust. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? That is for me. It's hard. Third thing, these all tie together. Be thankful. You know, God is at work in you and around you, and when one comes to Christ, you have no idea of the adventure that you're about to go on in this thing called we call the journey of faith. This adventure. It is an adventure you enjoy the good times, you, in, you, you seek to meet the challenges that God continues to, 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 to have or allow in our lives and, 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 and you work away and, and God continues to work inside of you and, and whether it be changing our rotten attitudes or, or and sometimes dealing with the, the, the things where we were done wrong in the words of the country song, just done wrong by somebody. When, we, when we've surrendered to God, Christ has a way of getting us into the greatest place of His blessing. He does. (laughs) It may be through our plans, it may be through our challenges, it may be through our missteps, our mistakes, or even those times when we were done wrong. Ephesians says this, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. The Apostle Paul had this desire. He wanted to get to Rome. Guess what? He got to Rome. Yeah, but you say, that's not right. That's not fair, Rich. He got to Rome. And he had freedom to, to, to speak of Christ. He never had any idea how that was going to happen. I can pretty much bet, and I'm a betting person, I'll bet you, uh, I can pretty much bet that the way that he had figured that he might get to Rome had nothing to do with the way he did get to Rome. Isn't it amazing how when we trust God, so many times some of the things that that that, that happen in our lives were like, wow, I just didn't know that was going to happen quite like that. Hmm. So many things like that. You know... You think be comfort, be comfort, comforted, be prayerful, be thankful. Let me tell you something um, there are there aren't many, but there are some advantages to age, and um I'm going to tell you one right now. well, yeah,, I just thought of this. Um, you can get into the movie a lot cheaper. Do you know that? I mean I, got, I mean I got an ego that's ridiculous and, and the first time they offered me a, a, a senior discount I was like a ah, senior discount and, and, and then they, I said how much is it they said ten bucks I said oh I'm in baby I'm in you know <laughs> no I wasn't what I was going to say <laughs> sorry um, one of the other advantages to age besides cheaper movie tickets um, is is you can look back and see some of the Pitfalls, chuck holes, dropping off the cliff (laughs) areas of your life, and you look back and you say, God did this, and God did this. And you know, God, you really do have my back. And God says, yeah, Rich, it's in the Bible. You've read it many times. And yeah, I'm a slow learner. He really does, and you and, and you can see the same thing in Paul's life. All this stuff, I mean, he's 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 been he's been accused of something he didn't do and would never do. He's arrested. He's in he's in captivity basically for for over ten years, and yet he gets he's in the place of blessing that he would never have been in any other way. And God says, "Hey, I'm going to take care of you," and he did. And Paul then can write about it and and in just, and, and just an amazing way and says, hey, hey, you know, here it is. I know my circumstances have turned out for greater progress of the gospel. This is good. It's a good thing, man. And you know, I, I don't know what you're going through and, and or, or maybe we'll go through. But here's the thing. The gospel, let me just talk about the gospel for a minute. The gospel takes a person like me, just a just a broken, sinful, screwed-up dirtball, okay? Oh, that's you too, by the way, I, I'm just so you know. <laughs> just take it, it, it. The gospel is for us as we trust in Christ, and, and he comes into our lives as we accept it and believe it with forgiveness, with grace, and with mercy. And God knows I need it. But he doesn't stop there. He has this thing I call, I don't know somebody else termed the phrase, this, this redemptive process where he, he, he takes the dreams that we've had, the plans that we've made, the mistakes that we've made upon mistakes, the never accomplished goals, the injustices put upon us, and molds them together and produces something meaningful, something productive, something fulfilling, to put us in the place of blessing, and overall, a place that's going to honor our Lord and our God and those around us. That's amazing to me. Just a personal thing, um... We've been, uh, most of you know this, if you don't know this, we're, we're in the process of having a new senior pastor start sometime in the next uh, this next month, and people are out, some of you are always asking, me, which I appreciate, by the way, how are you, how are you doing, how are you doing, Richie, because I've, I've been all, most of my life in ministry a, a senior pastor, I mean, back in the day we just called it pastor, of course we have other names now, but anyway, um, uh, and I said, you know, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. I mean, I'm, I was all in on the process. I really was. I, I'm much more in when I got to know Chris because I really believe in who he is. And I believe he's going to lead us in a great way in this next season of ministry. And uh, I'm excited to see how that's all going to operate. But it's different, it's change. You know, and when we go through change, some of you are know, going through change, different kinds of change, whether it be your career. And, and, and you, you're reminded once again, you know what I got to do? I got to come back and I got to trust God. And my goodness, he, he's proven over and over and over again, I got your back. I got your back. Why, why, do we, why do we worry and fret and fuss? I don't know, but we do. I do. Maybe you don't. But that's the issue here. And, and once again, like the Apostle Paul who can write from a, from a stinking apartment, chained to a, 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 ga- a palace guard, he can write, Hey, guys, this is great, man. I'm like, wow. God, whatever He's got, I need a little bit of that. And, and you know what? I serve the same God, and He'll provide it as I let Him. It's a matter of trust. How you doing with that? Whatever life throws at you, today, tomorrow, next month, next year, be comforted. God, you, your story's still being written. Be, be, be prayerful. Be thankful. Because God's working in your life in a marvelous way. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for the uh, opportunity to stand up here and be able to talk about these things that I've seen you do over and over again, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many others. Thank you for that. Don't have to make it up. Don't have to imagine it. I've seen it. Many of us have. I pray, God, for each person here, and I don't know what everybody's going through. I know some of them are going through. I don't know what everybody's going through. You do, though, Lord. And I pray that you would just give them a special measure of strength, comfort, and ability to do these things we're just talking about, just to, to, to be comforted, to be prayerful, and to be thankful. We thank you for that. We thank you for, for the love that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen.